Make an introduction. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to this week's May Checks It discussion group call for tactical sovereignty. Like I always say, this beautiful Sunday, the first day of the week, not the seventh, not the Sabbath, but that'll get into an category. We might even touch on that tonight. I don't know. But we've got with us this evening, Michelle Gibson, and she's somebody that has one of my favorite topics. And that is researching our history, right? whether it's a timeline, you know, as um, Fulminac is, you know, showing us, or if it's geography, weird things in geography. And she points a lot of that out. And what to me is really the easiest because it's stuff that we can really wrap our minds around and see it. You can touch it. You can feel it. And so it's not just hypothesis we're looking for instance at landscape and thinking about it critically and just accepting the narrative right off the get Hopkin really thinking does this really because when we start doing that we're going to find that guess what it really doesn't I'm going to, uh, she's somebody I'm going to be working with also on another future project uh, I can tell you all about, but that's something really exciting that's coming up. Information to show you, she's got a YouTube channel as well. That is in the description box. Actually, it's not in the description box. Her website is in the description box for tonight's podcast. People can find that there. Or contact me in the future, and I can provide that or her YouTube channel, and she can show you links for that this evening as well. And uh, and can start showing us some stuff. Hey, towards no, they may not. <laughs> um, all right, Let's change that. Okay. So you, do you want me to go here? ahead? I want to let you take over. Okay. Um, before I share my screen, I just want to give a little bit of background about myself. I'm 57. I was born in July of 1963 outside of Washington in Montgomery County, Maryland. So I grew up in the Gaithersburg, Rockville area. And I was there um, through joining the Army in 82. And then when I got out of the Army in 86, I attended college at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and was there from 86 to 89. Uh, and I actually graduated with a degree in social work and psychology. So I'm not a college-trained historian. Um, I've been called a historical detective. I like the name. And I think if I had been trained in what we're taught as truth in history, I, I don't think I would have received the information that I have. And I've been putting it out consistently in a blog, in my blog since June of 2018. And I started turning my blog post into videos around the same time, uh, because I actually got a subscriber on YouTube for my foundational video, which was the only one I was originally planning on making. Um, so I've, I've turned into a videographer in this process. Um, I firmly believe there would be no mysteries in history if we had been told the true history. 
I've been fascinated by megaliths my whole life, and my journey has led me to uncovering the key to the truth. I found a star tetrahedron, otherwise known as the Star of David, or it's the shape of the Merkaba, on the North American continent by connecting the dots of major cities, and I extended the lines out. And then I wrote down the cities that lined up in primarily circular and linear fashion. And I got an amazing tour of the world of places I had never heard of with remarkable similarities across countries. This whole process and other pieces of the puzzle fell into place and brought up a lot of information, including a suppressed ancient advanced global civilization that needs to be brought back into the collective awareness. And my research in tracking these alignments has led me to uncover the evidence for what has taken place here, those who were responsible and how it was covered up right in front of our eyes. So based on my intensive research of cities and places in alignment around the world, I am seeing that a worldwide Moorish civilization with its roots in ancient Mu and Atlantis built the world's infrastructure. There were different empires within empire, Washita, Phoenician, Tartarian, Barbar Barbarian, and Ottoman to name just a few, but it was one beautiful, elegant, integrated, unified and worldwide civilization. And when Brian and I talked about this the other day, um, we were talking about canals and canals near where he lives in Florida that I actually wasn't aware of. I was aware of the ones in Venice, um, but not the ones where he lives. And so I've selected some blog posts that I want to go over with you to show you um, this canal based civilization and uh, maybe show you some things that you may or may not have been aware of. Um, so Brian, I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen. Am I coming across okay? Yep, you're perfectly fine. I've just got my antenna muted out right now, just listening. Thank you. Okay, great. All right, um, so I'm gonna go ahead and go to screen share and pull up, I pulled up some some uh, blog posts, <clears throat> research that I've done along alignments. And it was can that Can that on your end be expanded at all? Mm. Now I know on TalkShoe, if people are using a phone, they can go on their screen and they can stretch it as well to give them a heads up. So either way. Mm. Mm. I'm not sure, let me see and do anything i don't think so all right but hopefully ho like hopefully I said, it'll be clear <laughs> yep yeah, okay. like i said just like a regular map if people are looking at maps they can put their finger on the screen and stretch it out to get a better view so go for it thank you okay sure um and actually there was one i i i'm going to start with that i was just talking about that i didn't pull up and hopefully i can find it quickly to show you how I started getting the research for what I'm about to share. I was living in Oklahoma between 2012 and 2016 when I first started waking up to this. I'd had an interest in it for a number of years and I was watching a lot of alternative researchers and filling my head with this information from earth energy researchers, uh, people who doused 
ley lines, um, you know, and other people that were just interested in finding out answers to things that just didn't make sense. And so I had already discovered a lot of those folks. And then my original research started when a, a friend of mine gave me this map of, it was a, it's a, actually a full map of the world. It's a flat map. I don't know if it's a flat earth map, but it's a flat map. And it was sitting on my dining room table and I started to notice cities and places lining up in lines. And I was exposed to sacred geometry about 2007, somewhere in that time frame. And so I learned about the flower of life and the platonic solids and um, sacred geometry. And so when I found the first, I'll call it a triangle, but it's also known as a tetrahedron. And the two together is called a star tetrahedron. I found the first tetrahedron. And then I thought, well, I wonder if I can find another one. And so I was able to find the second tetrahedron because I, I knew the dimensions of the star tetrahedron. And then I started extending lines out and looking up places and starting to see a lot of similarities. And then I switched to a globe. I superimposed this figure onto a globe so I could see the other side. I just, I'm not a mathematician. I was having trouble figuring out how to make the lines connect to each other on the flat map. So that's why I switched to a globe. I get a lot of, you know, plain planet discussion on my, in my YouTube channel, channel community. And um, my concern is bringing back this beautiful civilization that's missing from our collective awareness. Um, I tend to think that it was a, the shape of the earth is like a torus, a sacred geometric shape. Um, but I'm not driven by that, that dynamic. I'm, I'm more interested in, in the fact that when I wrote down the places that lined up in lines, and I've got about 18 or 19 spreadsheets of these alignments, um, that when I started researching, I got real information in return. And that's what my work is based on. So to go back to where I was going to start, um, I was tracking an alignment from Washington, DC. So this is a long distance circle alignment. And this is coming back up through uh, Mexico and back up into North America is where I'm picking this up. So this is the, the Brownsville, Port Isabel um, area on the Gulf Coast. So it's like Matamoros, Brownsfield, and Port Mansfield. Uh, I'm sorry, Port Isabel. And you see at this Brownsville ship channel here, where you can clearly see a a man-made shape in the in the landscape. And you know, of course, they're going to tell you when they built it and and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm telling you, there's a story for everything. So when I was looking around this area, I found this this channel leading to Port Mansfield because of its appearance, it's, it's like a jetty. And this is, is pretty typical of places that I've found like at Venice, Florida, where you see the same idea, you know, just old stones here, um, creating this channel going into the entrance here. Um, and then the same thing in, um, in the Bahamas, the Grand Lucayan waterway at Lucaya near Freetown, same idea. And then um, 
this is Port Isabel. And when I was looking at Cape Coral there, you know, seeing the same kinds of, of um, design elements in the layout. And I'll give you some more example here as I go forward. Um, this is Venice, Florida. So Port Isabel on the other side of the Gulf, Venice, Florida. You, get, you have another ship channel looking uh, thing in the environment here. And then you can draw a straight line from where that is in Brownsville, Port Isabel, across to this part of Florida where, where that would be. Lighthouses are significant. Um, I believe they were part of the original civilization and served different functions besides guiding ships, which they very well may have, but I think they had even more functions on the Earth's grid system. And then again, I'm following an alignment up back to Washington, DC, and I'm just crossing over the places on the way. You know, so I'm here and I'm going back up this way. And I wanted to point out that this particular alignment crosses over Flower Garden Banks National Marine Sanctuary, which is the only sanctuary site located in the Gulf of Mexico. And the explanation they give is that it was formed when underlying salt domes forced the seafloor upwards and created rises in banks. So that was what it would look like from, from above. And they were conducive to reformation. That's the official explanation. Um, and then in Cuban waters off the West Coast, there is what's called an underwater pyramid city. You know, so there's other evidence that there's underground remains of this civilization in this area in the Gulf of Mexico. So before I move on to my next place, are there any questions or comments? Oh, I'll add to that. Uh, and I want to say as well, yeah, you've definitely done some homework for uh, tonight's episode. I really appreciate that. I'm impressed. Uh, but <clears throat> these last photos that you're showing right here, one of the things that sticks out in my mind was uh, a lot of the stuff that Dark Journalist has covered. And I know some people like dark journals, some don't. Myself, I think there's good and bad you can pick up from about anybody. But he covers that area down there in, in the southern Gulf of Mexico and refers to that as the hot zone. And there's a lot of very interesting stories surrounding that hot zone where um, those underwater pyramids are at. But and it, something else that you brought up, there's a picture that you had shown out. I don't remember if it was a fort or whatever. But the other day I was in a Habitat for Humanity store. And I was a big spender that day. I spent $1.07 and I got two books. <laughs> one was Agony and Ecstasy, uh, Michelangelo. But the other one was a book produced by the Vatican. And it was nothing but pictures. And it was like a a, a book of them bragging about themselves and you know i know the decadence i'm sure that the vatican is 
But these photos just floored me. I could not believe some of this stuff. But one of the things that impressed me was it showed a view of Vatican City that I had never seen before. And I looked at it and I said, oh my gosh, Vatican City was a star fort. Mm-hmm. I never realized that before. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'll let you continue. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's more than that. It's like a star map. Um, and there's a number of places that are star maps. Um, Wayne Herschel has done some really great work on on this topic. And he, he actually goes into details about um, about all of this. Um, so I recommend his work, Wayne Herschel, The Hidden Records. And he was one of my, my guides, I guess you could say, along the way. There were several that were very influential in terms of, you know, telling me there's just a very, very sophisticated, um, everything's laid out according to sacred geometry on the earth and everything's in alignment with heaven. And so you hear a lot about it in Egypt, but where I live in Arizona, um, the same thing here. It's it's also a star map. And I want to say his name is Gary David with um, the Orion Zone has done a lot of good work about that. Let me make sure I'm telling you the truth. Ryan's own. Um, and that's one you might want to check out. Um, the ancient star cities of the American Southwest. You know, so there's just, um, you know, so much that's been covered up. And from this, this one, I'm going to move on to New Orleans, and I just want to point out that, I mean, like I said, they have a, a story for everything. So um, you've got Gallier Hall in New Orleans, which was the former city hall, and it's in Lafayette Square. And, you know, we have these ancient Greek-Roman temple-looking buildings all over the place, and we don't think twice about it. They give us dates. They give us architects. We go, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, that's okay, that's interesting. Um, but look at the size of that, the size of that door and the columns. And it was said to have been built um, between 1845 and 1853. You know, so how in the heck are they building that type of architecture before the Civil War with horse and buggy and whatever they had during the time? I mean, there's just so many things that when you start um, – Picking away at the cover story, it just falls apart. And what's even stranger is the story about what happened to this James Gallier, who was said to have been a bankrupt bankrupt Irish architect who was born in 1798 and immigrated to the United States in 1832. Um, And I'm going to give some more examples of these, you know, incredibly um, talented (laughs) people that are doing all of this stuff um, from, you know, poor circumstances or they weren't trained in it and they were these, you know, amazing artists and architects. And I've got some examples. Um, so his, his story about how he died was that he and his wife were traveling on the Evening Star, which was a side wheel steamship 
traveling between New York and New Orleans that sank 175 miles east of Savannah, Georgia in the Atlantic Ocean. So that would be right about here. So it's a, a steam wheeler of some kind. And they had gone up there to get madams for, you know, one of, for their brothels. And it, it sank. And so, you know, my question is like, what's the famous architect and his wife on doing on a side wheel steamer that shank, sank in the Atlantic Ocean, you know, a year after the devastation of the American Civil War? I mean, and the story to me is just like really bizarre. <laughs> um, I, I still can't get my head wrapped around, around that one. Um, and then when you see pictures of Atlantis, a lot of times you'll see these Greco-Roman looking temples. And, you know, so that's what Gal your hall looks like. So, again, it's like they're telling us without telling us they're telling us. And then I, I, I want to show you the similarity between. Okay, so like the layout of Times Square in New York City, um, you've got like the flat iron building here and the way the streets are laid out is a lot like what you see in. Madrid, Spain, with the style of architecture and how the streets laid out. And again, I, I don't think that's coincidence. I think it was part of a, a universal design. And then this is Canal Street in New Orleans around 1910. You know, you've got your electric streetcars here running through the center. And then in Leeds, England, in the late 1800s, you have you know, similar looking architecture, you know, between New Orleans in the United States and Leeds in England. And you also have the same streetcars here, streetcars, tracks, layouts, everything. Um, you know, so again, it's like it's the same design. And again, how did the urban similarities develop independently of each other across countries and continents, according to the history we've been taught? Um, and then if you look at New Orleans itself, you see what appear to be, you know, canals, canal entrances here off of the Mississippi River. Um, and they, what they say is that Canal Street was named for a canal that was never built, but there's still plenty of still existing canals in New Orleans. And, and again, this is what they tell us in the historical record. Um, and then the last town... South of New Orleans towards Delta is called Venice, Louisiana, and it's the last community accessible by car. And it also has a lot of channels in the landscape. Again, this was a canal building civilization. And, um, and then you see in places like, uh, again, in Leeds, England, what's called the River Air, there's nothing in the written record that suggests that it's man-made. Um, but clearly there's masonry banks here and it looks like a canal. Um, I'm just gonna go down here because I've really got a lot of information in all of my, um, my blog posts and it's, it's a lot. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it simple. Um, I do wanna point out that this, this feature of these archways with buildings framed perfectly in the middle of the arch is common all over the world. You know, it's like this perfect alignment. 
And again, I, I, I don't think that's random. Okay, so people that. that people that know me well well no i'm not gonna be able to let that go arches and that's one of the things i've said for a long time is you've got the patriot community that's always pointing at the obelisk and stuff and say like, okay what do you do with that info not much but if you look at obelisk and different obelisks that were created such as after the fall of jerusalem and then after napoleon started taking over other countries and nations and there, there was these arches always built. Same thing has been done uh, in the USA. And they're typically called an arch of victory or something like that. Yep. And they also have a That's metaphysical right. quality to them. And it's the idea of you're stepping from one time into another time. So mm -hmm. cool, cool, very yep. cool. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, they are renamed or repurposed as the Soldiers and Sailors Memorial Arch, like this one, which is in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, and this building's now an apartment building. And again, that's been a lot of these old structures have been turned into residential units and assisted living facilities and, and things like that. So, but very old. Um, this is St. Peter's Basilica. Um, so you can see the, the archway is framing that very nicely. Um, this is in Budapest um, and the view of the um, Hungarian parliament from the Fisherman's Bastion. So that's perfectly framed. Um, this is in India. And then this is in the same area basically as this one. So this one's in New Delhi. And this one's in Delhi also. Um, and this is an iron column. And it's it's significant because there's no rust on it. Uh, let's see where I want to go with this. There's actually an arch in Washington where at one time you could stand and look through the arch and you could see the Twin Towers. Okay. Yeah, not, no surprises. Um, so where these, uh, this type of street court, uh, corner building where you have the, the, the flat face here and then it goes off in these two directions, that, that's found all over. Um, so this is in New Orleans. This is in Merida, Mexico. Um, you know, it's like, it's, it's like the same, typically it's like the same angle and everything. And I, I'm heading towards Slidell because there's, um, more canals here that I want to share with you. This is Eden Isle in Slidell, which is across Lake Pontchartrain from New Orleans. So again, you have the same appearance at which you saw like what you saw at Port Isabel and Venice. And these are just the Gulf Coast examples. Um, star forts are found everywhere. This one is Fort Massachusetts on West Ship Island in the Gulf near Gulfport, Mississippi. Uh, it's a beautiful star fort. And then, you know, you have this old architecture 
and they, they, they come up with stories about how it came into being. So the first United Methodist Church in Gulfport is said to be one of the oldest places of worship on the Gulf Coast. And this is what the stained glass looks like inside the first United Methodist Church. Um, you know, again, it's, it's like how were they? It's not consistent. Um, what we see is not consistent with what we're told was possible. Well, you stop and think back at that time, how were they doing this stained glass? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What kind of resources were available? We have to keep that in mind. And, you know, looking at the canals and looking at water type things, I always try to keep talks in the back of my head at the same time. The thoughts of like Enki and Enlil, the god of the air, the god of the water. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that societies, and especially, especially people that work on the water are a totally different breed of people. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I really haven't experienced that in a, in that I have not been around people that live on the water, but I, I have a, a sense, I have a sense of what you're talking about. That it's just a, a completely different way of life from what I've seen um, documentaries or, or whatever. You know, I, ha- I have no doubt about that. Um, so when I was following another alignment uh, through Central Asia, I came across all these canals in places like Uzbekistan. And one of their top attractions is called the Angkor Canal. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful canal. You know, so these things are are literally everywhere. This is in Dubai. And there's a sophisticated canal system here as well. You know, this is, you know, clearly artificial. Um, and then I wanted to share Australia's Gold Coast on the eastern coast of Australia near Brisbane. And you have, you know, basically the same appearance that you do in Fort Lauderdale at Las Olas Isles. You know, these canals are everywhere. Um so another subject is finding a correlation between railroads, canals, and star forts. And I've really come to see it was all part of an integrated system. And the system was generating free energy. And um, this is uh, Louisburg Fortress on Nova Scotia's Cape Breton Island. It's a massive star fort. And there was said to one of the first railroads was said to have been built in the construction of this. And then um, there are a lot of incline railways. Um, Pittsburgh has two that are operating, and there used to be like 15. Um, one is the, the, du- the Duquesne incline, and the name of the other one is slipping my mind right, right at the moment. But these incline railways have been pretty much removed. But again, they have a story for it. Um, Again, one of the earliest railways was Montresor's Tramway, designed and built by British engineers at the close of the French and Indian War. And it was to haul goods up the steep slope of the Niagara River. And, um, you know, again, they just took credit for what was already there. And then this is the Niagara Escarpment and this is the endless wall at 
New River Gorge State Park in West Virginia. So this is up in New York. Well, the, the escarpment goes for a long way through several states, New York, uh, Wisconsin. But again, it's the same appearance. And then you have the construction of canals that was said to have started in, in North America uh, during the Great American Canal Age. And so in 1810, um, Thomas Leiper built an animal-powered railroad connecting Crumb Creek to Ridley Creek in Pennsylvania. Um, and then his son was said to have built the three-mile-long Leiper Canal to replace the railroad between 1828 and 1829. Well, this is, you know, this is a pretty major undertaking here. You know, look at that masonry, that old masonry. And then the American Canal Age was between 1790 and 1855. And this is the Lehigh Canal built between Easton, Pennsylvania and Mock Chunk. And it was said to have been started in 1818 and completed in 1838. You know, and then right next to it, you have this you know, major engineering feat of the canal and the railroad right close together. And I'm gonna show you another example of that. Um, and then a, a ludicrous story that goes with the other example that I have. Um, this was said to have been built between 1820, 1815 and 1825, the, the Skullkill Canal in Pennsylvania, and I'm sorry if I mispronounce that, Schoolkill, something like that. You know, you've got the, the massive stone blocks here. You know, this isn't something farmers are gonna be doing <laughs> It takes some work. Um, and this is also in Pennsylvania, the Union Canal Tunnel. Um, this is what remains of the Union Canal at Swatara State Park near, near Lickdale, Pennsylvania. You know, again, look at the size of that. Just sitting out there in the middle of nowhere. Um, this is the Erie Canal, which connects the Hudson River in Albany, New York, with Lake Erie and Buffalo. And this construction was said to have begun on May 17th of 1821. And then this is Fort Stanwix, which is near the Erie Canal. Um, I'm just going to pass through. So they want us to believe that for example, the New York Central Railroad was said to have begun operating in 1853, and that the graphic here depicts the New York Central Rail System as of 1918. You know, and there's incredible stories told about how the railroad was built. Um, we are told extensive trackage existed in the states of New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Massachusetts, and West Virginia, plus additional trackage in Ontario and Quebec, and by 1925, they operated 26,395 miles or 42,479 kilometers of track. Um, but what I really want to show you here is the other example, and I'm going to, you know, scroll through this for, just to get to it. And that's the B&O Railroad and the C&O Canal. So the B&O Railroad was said to have opened in 1830 and reached the Ohio River in 1852. 
and that it's supposedly something, go ahead something people can keep in mind as well is uh the bush family is a big holder in what is it csi railroad it's like one of the biggest railroads in the usa yeah, I mean, there, the what's been going on with all of this rail infrastructure is just mind-boggling. Um, well, railroads this, were huge, and um, like the Flagler family down here that I work for was behind putting the railroad in that went all the way down through the Keys. And, and mm -hmm. it's like, why would you need a railroad going down like to Key West? I mean to bring fish back I, I i don't know i don't get it yeah well i i think the railroad already existed and they were just re, maybe digging it out or you know getting it functional again because i think something happened a cataclysm was caused or multiple cataclysm caused to wipe this original civilization off the face of the oh. earth so, so they could come I in and rebuild everything I got you. So it was like there was a reset and they were repurposing things. Right, right. Okay. I mean, you find the same story of Henry Plant in Tampa and bringing the railroad in there and building um, University of Tampa. Well, actually a, a hotel, but um, it's this beautiful Moorish architecture at University of Tampa. Well, um, we know what else is in Tampa, or at least Clearwater, right? Well, we've got Scientologists. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> so it's a Scientologist. So this yeah. is the University of Tampa. You know, it's, but it was said to have been. Um, this is a really cool picture of it. Um, Henry Plant. Henry Plant. So it was supposed to have been built as a hotel. Um, the 1891 Tampa Bay Hotel is home to the University of Tampa and the Henry B. Plant Museum. During the 1800s, Henry Bradley Plant was building an empire of railroads, steamships, and hotels. And he wanted that empire to have a palace, and that palace was the Tampa Bay Hotel, now referred to as Florida's first magic kingdom. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm 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 saying they just repurposed everything, took credit for it, made fortunes, probably made and lost many fortunes. Um, so with the example of the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad, the the uh, there was supposed to have been an intense rivalry between the railroad and the CNO Canal, and each project was said to have chosen the same day to break break ground, which was July 4th of 1828. And they were both said to have been vying for the narrow right of way where the Potomac River cuts through a mountain ridge at Point of Rocks, Maryland, and that this ended up in court. And this is what it looks like. And I've been, actually, I've probably been there. I, I grew up in Maryland and I went to Harper's Ferry many times. And I think I remember going on a hiking trip probably through this tunnel. Um, but anyway, there was a court battle and after four years, the case was said to have been ruled in favor of the canal. And yet we are told that CNO had to allow the BNO to go through there. Okay, 
So like what we saw back in Pennsylvania, you've got this massive engineering going on with both the railroad and the canal, like here. In the 1850s, right? Let's see. Whenever this was going on. Um, all that work, bringing in a lot of different elements when I go through and do my stuff. Sometimes that's good, sometimes not so good. So anyway, um, the point that I wanted to make with that is that the, the canal was, after all of that work, the canal, the CNO canal was obsolete within a short period of time because the railroad was supposed to have been more efficient. So the stories really don't pan out. They've done all the work to build this and then, oops, too late. We don't need you anymore. And that story is told over and over again. Um, you got canals in South Carolina and the streetcars and the railroads. Um, this is a list of canals in South Carolina, historical canals, some of them still around, some of them not. Just looking at Pensacola, Florida, and this particular- well, Let's, back up. Let's back up for just a second there. You talked about how they were looking at doing what the uh, railway, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, it's not going to be that good of a, a project to do. It's not going to be that efficient. So we're just going to discard it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to like these, you know, electric railways. I think a lot of people would remember like uh, the San Francisco rail cars, everything was electric. And so they discard that because. Now today, what are they going to today? What are they trying to push with vehicles today? Aren't they trying to go back to electric? Mm -hmm. So make up our mind here. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think the problem is that it's never been to benefit us. <laughs> it's been to benefit whoever's behind this. The 1%, you know, the wealthiest and the most powerful um, they removed the streetcar and rail infrastructure that was already in place, and they replaced it with cars and buses. Um, so, so you know, the efficient it just took them time to figure out how they were gonna. Yeah, it just took them time to figure out how it was gonna work in their favor. That's exactly what I think, because as soon as the Fords started putting out his Model Ts, and they started developing motor vehicles the streetcar system started to be replaced. And not only were they retired, the actual infrastructure in many cases was just torn out of the ground. Um, and I've got pictures of the streetcars rails being removed from Tampa, Florida. You know, so they wanted those things gone. And in a couple of places like San Francisco and other major cities, they're still in use, but they were all over the, they were everywhere. I found historical streetcars in Manaus, Brazil, which is in the heart of the Amazon rainforest. You know, nowhere to be seen anymore. You know, and again, the story of how Manaus was 
developed just doesn't make any sense when you consider now the only way you can get in there is by boat, probably boat or plane maybe. And the road connecting Manaus with another city is incredibly long and called one of the worst roads in in Brazil. So, you know, again, this the stories just fall apart. So anyway, um, I wanted to point out Fort of Pensacola. It's no, no longer there. This is what is there now. And then you see the CSX rail yards that were just a few blocks south of where the fort was located. So that would be here, within the fort and the rail yards. And again, that's pretty typical. There seems to be some kind of connection between star forts and, and rail yards. And I think star forts were circuits on the Earth's grid system. Um, See, I'm not sure I'm going to find what I'm looking for. So, Fort Negley in Nashville is actually right next to the rail yards, also. Let's see if I can find a picture. I'm just trying to find a picture quick. I know where I can get a picture, but hey, that's awesome. This is called real-time research, people. There we go. People don't realize that out of you know uh, three or four awesome things that some of us might find, we might have spent 10, 20, 30 hours just looking for that one particular item. So it's not easy digging through stuff. I just want to show you this real quick. And I've been, people will leave me comments to look at different places. And this is one of the places that somebody suggested that I look at. A, a ball field right next to it. And then you have the rail yards here. Or involved in the mix as well. Because they show up in places like this a lot. So I just one real yard. I've been doing this, like I said, for about three years, so my head's just full of stuff. Oh no. Uh oh. I lost my place. <laughs> okay. And again, I, I want I just want to make the point that had I not done the research on the alignments, I would not have been able to pull the bigger picture information out. But as I was going and looking at all these places that were in alignment with each other, it's like the bigger picture was was right there. So this is where I was. 
No, I haven't done the research on it, but I, I've looked a little bit and found it to be true. But <clears throat> from what I've gathered, if, if you follow like ley lines in the USA and you look at what's on those ley lines, a lot of times you're going to find like military bases, federal buildings mm -hmm. and things like that are all placed right mm -hmm. on those ley lines. Totally. Um, Fort uh, Camp David is on a ley line, a major power node. Not surprisingly. Um, these are some old hotels and these railway hotels, again, they just took credit for them. I mean, they're massive. They're beautiful. And this is the Windsor Hotel in Montreal. What it looked like on the inside. And then this is a the Westin Palace Hotel in Madrid, Spain. You know, so you've got similar features going there. And then you've got that, um, this is Madrid with the dome, and this is Montreal with the dome. I'm just beautiful architecture. Um, this is the Chateau Frontenac in Quebec said to have been built by the Canadian Pacific Railway between 1892 and 1893, uh, which is what I saw when I saw this castle in Poland with the, you know, with similar shapes and colors. And that was said to have been built between 1288 and 1292. Um, this is Tokyo Station in Japan, said to have opened in 1914. And this is it today. Um, you know, just gorgeous, mass massive buildings. So well, when we look Australia. at some of these buildings, the, the thing that amazes me is we don't build stuff like that today. A lot of things mm -hmm. that are built today are like steel and glass or whatever. And uh, I, I don't know. And, and you think of the resources that it would take to build something like that especially at that time and exactly. you're you're making my mind wander to a place that i lived at for a few years um called mackinac island and yeah. i was thinking about the fort there and i've, I've never looked at an aerial view of that fort uh, as far as its shape but just thinking about walking around it i could see it possibly being a star fort and then you think about the Grand Hotel on that island, you know, there is absolutely no reason whatsoever for a hotel like the Grand Hotel to be on Mackinac Island and for it to be over 100 years old. Absolutely no reason whatsoever. <clears throat> is, is that in Michigan or is it a different one? That's in Michigan, yeah. It's... Uh, so like Mackinac ending with a C. Yeah, that's it right there. I see the green kind of bottom left in the bay, top left now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that one? That beautiful hotel? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, is there anything that will show you? Oh, yeah, the outside and inside of that hotel? Holy crap. It's over, gosh, what is it, 100, 150 years old? It's like, wait a minute. There's nothing on the island. There's like right now maybe 500 people that live there year round. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's it's ridiculous. 
Yeah, I used to work for actually that hotel at one time. But it was like, why is this built to make money for two months out of the year? This makes no sense. The amount of money that it took to put up something like that. And as it is, there's no cars there. There's no way to get there other than by boat or plane. And boat is only for a certain part of the year. And plane is only for a certain part of the year. Because part of the year, the runway is frozen over. And part of the year, the waters are frozen over. You know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a fort on the right. I used to live right at the base of that fort. Okay. And yeah, you that, stop and think about you think about all the stone and the work that, that it took for the French, because uh, this is Mackinac with a C. So this was the French that put that there. That's what, that's what they tell us. <laughs> that's what they tell us. I, yeah, exactly. I, I, that's I, the story. I can give you a, a long list of uh, who was said to have been what, what, when, and it's the British, it's the French, it's the Portuguese, it's the Spanish. <laughs> I always and, have to keep in the back of my mind that that's what the narrative is. You know what I mean? Or so uh -huh. we're told. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, and, and one of the things I, I really like to stress um, to people when I'm doing interviews is this is something anybody can do. Um, just it, all it takes is looking at things with new eyes, going out, seeing what's in your own community, question the narrative. Um, your courthouses, city halls, you know, even um, like band shells in parks. Um, and the parks themselves tend to have a lot of stuff preserved. And, um, you know, that's really all that it takes to start poking holes in the narrative. Because what they want us to believe doesn't match up with what's there. And what's there is like... In many cases, impossible architecture for what we're told about the technology we, we had in our history. Do they do they provide an aerial view of um, the Ford on Mackinac? I love Google Earth. Yeah, right. Especially if you can get like Google Earth Pro. There's mm -hmm. so much you can do with it. A lot of times you can pick up stuff. Wow. So it's here. Yep. And see that little white dot on that island? It's almost connecting to it. That's a lighthouse. A lighthouse that looks like it's been okay. there for eons. <laughs> I thought about that when you were talking about lighthouses. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of places, you'll have, you know, lighthouses on, on jetties, like yeah. in other places. Um, so where is, the, the fort, is it here? The fort, nope, to your left, the fort is right in the center of the bay, uh, to the right of those white buildings that you see along the edge. Now, go here? down on the water. Here? Yep, right there. It overlooks town. Where the hand is? No, to your right. Okay, so here. Sure does. There you go. Does that yep, look like yep. a star fort? Yep, you got to start like right there. Oh, you've got a pyramid there too, don't you? Is that what that is? Sure looks like it. 
Wow. Maybe not. But... Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Interesting. Wow. Down there. I never noticed that before. I don't know. Yeah, I can't tell what that is. Anyway, it looks interesting. Looks like. Yeah, that's a Good. pyramid. So, yeah, I mean, so, um, yeah, I mean, star forts have different, um, it's got four or five points, but that's not all. I mean, and uh, a lot of times they're like an earthwork, which you can kind of see here. You're talking about parks, and that's Marquette Park right underneath So, yeah, that. I would say that it is. Yeah, that's Marquette Park right underneath yes. it. You're talking about parks. That was Father Marquette. He was a Jesuit. Father Marquette. His statue, <laughs> yeah, his statue is right in the middle of it. His name comes up quite a bit. He's named well, several places. And when when I lived there at the base of that fort, <clears throat> right across the street from me was the John Jacob Astor House. And if people uh, have done much research, he was tightly involved with the East India Trading Company. And yes, you look is. at the name John Jacob Astor, and the word Astor means star. It's like the devil's in the details. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the original German immigrant that came over and founded the empire, and he's called America's first multi establishment of the fur trade. Um, so he had his hands in a lot. I'm looking. You've got business and finance in the early republic. And some shady stuff. And he has come up research. He was a J.P. Morgan. I mean, the Astros are up to their eyeballs. Um, let, let's call it the New World Order timeline. They've been very much involved in what's been going on. Absolutely. Everybody tells so, us to watch out for the New like World said, Order. They don't realize it's already here. It's been here for a long time. Humanity was doing just fine, highly advanced. Something happened to not opportunistic parasitic beings came in and proceeded to take everything over and pull the wool. So, you know, like I said, I've got a lot of information here. I, I'm going to stop for a second because. I can go. Um, so is there anything else in particular?
or any questions? Um, yeah, you want to open up for a Q&A, see if anybody has any questions? Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. I'm going to All right. stop All right. I'm getting there? choppy on my end. Yeah, I'm choppy on my end, but I'm sure it's my end. Hang on. Oh, there we are. Okay, found you. Yeah, we're choppy, but I think it's just my end. Okay. I've got everybody unmuted, so if you don't want your background noise heard, please mute yourself out and um, kindly step up and ask a question. If you want, let us know where you hail from and who you are, and uh, thank you for being here. Well, we're waiting. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Melanie. Hi. You know, one of the questions that I do have is if we didn't have aeronautics, how did they get all of these maps? Is that a fiction as well? Melanie, the second part. Oh, if we had all of these. Am I feeding back or something? No, you just got to fade it out. It's just saying if they had all these right, maps the and stuff, well, what happened? Well, no, if they had all of these maps prior to aeronautics, how were they able to do that without aeronautics? I think, um, I think they did have aeronautics, um, airships, dirigible. to see maps of like Memphis that are bird's eye view maps from the lady told in the narrative about when the age of dirigibles started. So I think all about airports at this point because all of these in this uh, trans transportation infrastructure is integrated. Well, I think so as well. And, you know, it's just something that people don't, because we have been so lied to and so traumatized, it's something that most people don't even question. I think um, right. one of the oldest maps we have is in stone from Mesopotamia, um, which was Arabic. And uh, we just don't question question how we got all of these maps prior to the collective consciousness understanding airplanes. So it's just, um, it's one of those other things like, ha ha, funny, funny, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not so funny. Yeah, beautiful book of maps. And it's not. Um, they, they did a lot of cover reinforcing their narrative that they want us to believe. So um, older maps have a lot of details, but the, the maps we tend to know about or have access to have been 
you know, finagled in some way. I'm going to be looking into that as well. Like, like I said, somebody sent right. me a beautiful atlas of maps that. that oh, wonderful. Um, we have a, an Ayurvedic doctor who comes from generations of Ayurveda <clears throat> in India that will be educating on our platform. And I think she's going to have a lot to share with you as well. Um, India is quite an interesting country. And they are very, very peaceful, but of course right now, um, the powers that be are causing a lot of trouble in areas. So for instance, like the movies that you see like Slumdog Millionaire about the Indian um, slums, that's just like one of maybe two. India has the highest rate of middle class and upper middle class and they are fighting what is going on right now. Um, so that, that, that's all going to be very interesting to learn. Oh, Melanie, did you okay, want to introduce anything regarding that platform? Pardon me? Sure. Well, yeah, um, we have three key educators in your areas. One would be Brian Parker, who is going to be taking care of law and bringing in people uh, with him to do so. Michelle, who is going to be taking care of all histories, who we will be feeding people her way to um, bring in. And we also have Bernard Comkin, who is on the alchemy end of things. And when Kaya gets better, Kaya, who is on, on um, the Germanic, Germantia, and ley lines and a bunch of very interesting things. So I think between the quadrant of you um, and the, all of the nation states and countries of people that I know, we are going to have quite an amazing broadcast system that not only teaches, but for intentional use as well. Um, the world is small, uh, intentional use is wonderful, and I think it's the trajectory is getting bigger, bigger, and bigger by the day of people that are healing and just going to peace. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't wait to work with you guys. You have no idea. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So, the YouTube channel really link exciting. in the chat. It is very exciting to be a part of. Confusion are waking up to this. Imagine, <laughs> mm -hmm. Imagine the confusion in rabbit hole free and you don't have to have cinematic entrances that make your jaw drop so you're under some kind of theta where they drop you with digital drugs. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just gonna oh, need yeah, to so. get a you just have to get a chip to get in, that's all. <laughs> yeah, right. Not no, um, the, <clears throat> one of the aspects that you do have to have <laughs> chip. No, it's, it's time we know who's on the other end of the keyboard. Unguru only serves as a house 
which is a protective house that we will be franchising out most likely by state, by region, across the world um, for trusted products, services, and goods for small businesses only. And the key thing is to know who's on the other end of the keyboard, not only so you know who to trust in community that can be autonomous yet together because I'm, I don't want to fit in anybody's box, um, but you know what you're getting, you know? You know, you know who to trust. You know where to meet up. You know, we're going to know, you know all what, those things. You know what you're getting and you know who you're getting it from. Thank you. And you don't have to go on any more rabbit holes and watch narcissistic people wade in the water for some secret knowledge. Um, that's terrible. This knowledge should be for everybody, yet fair business practices for, for um, fair delivery of business goods. So that's just the wonderful thing, and we don't need thousands of different voices in all of these areas. Oh, cool. Free music. <laughs> we have a lot of those Gold people coming out. What is that? I don't know. Everybody's unmuted, so it's somebody. They, hey, we can hear an ant fart, so you might want to mute yourself. All right, uh, somebody else have a question or anything pertaining to tonight's episode? Our hidden history, the geographical overlay that's kind of warped our minds. Stuff that we've told that's a hundred years old that might be a thousand. You know what? I was um going through these people that they go and they search out different stuff. This guy was going through an old palace in France and old, it was amazing. All the different buildings and <clears throat> this place in France, it had only been abandoned like five years ago. And he was meticulously really going through the rooms. He was showing everything that was there. It was like the people just walked away from it. And he opened up one cabinet. They had stacks of letters laying in there. And so he said, well, let's slide out some of these letters and look at some dates. He reached in the middle and started sliding some out. It was like 1450, 1530. It's like, wait a minute. These are like, what, five, 600 years old? And they were just perfect pieces of paper. I mean, if I could read French, I could have read what they said on them. And he was like, wow, I don't want to disturb this. And he just slid them back into their spot. And I'm like, you know, this is amazing. How could a letter like that, that somebody wrote with, you know, a quill pen 500 years ago, still look so good today, just laying on somebody's desk? Mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. Um, I have a question for Michelle. Where do you think the yep. timeline was, was, where do you think the timeline was flipped? Like, how long do you think I, I think it was going on? Years, max. I think it I'm was sorry? flipped relatively recently. I think it was flipped. So I think we're only talking about a couple of hundred years. So I, I kind of among mud flood researchers, and when I got connected to somebody in the mud flood community, I realized we were looking at the same 
I've made a connection between the Philadelphia experiment and the Great Frost of Ireland in 1741. Well, you know, but I think. Less than that. So that, a few of that were a part of that. <clears throat> so that'll be very, that'll be, I think you'll get some more insight. Um, I think. Yeah, I think they created. Between 1492 and 1942. And 1717 is the midpoint year, and I found a lot of searching from around 1717 forward. Um, I think a very, and if you've heard of Alastair Crowley, I think he had something mm -hmm. to do with it. And I think every nation state has their Alastair Crowley. Every, every nation state had their Aleister Crowley, which, you know, this is where I come in handy for all you guys because I, you know, I'm kind of like a an outlet. People plug in and then they do what they need to do. Um, every nation state in the world currently had an Aleister Crowley for their particular region. It's just like every nation state one of the countries that I'm very connected to, again, is India. And they have their own Madonnas, Michael Jackson. I think my, the Michael Jackson, <laughs> Michael Jackson is the best ever. Um, but it's amazing what they have been able to do. So every nation state had an Aleister Crowley, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they, they really put us out on a board. You know, that has like, really. Uh, I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's okay. It's kind of choppy with this buffering. Um, but anyway, and they've really done a number down here, which we're struggling with now. Do you know how much hope I have right now? Lose us and keep yeah. us keep us ignorant, so keep right us fighting. Yeah, I I don't think I think that is going to change so fast, and the trajectory is getting mm -hmm. wider and wider and wider because we, those of us that did, I believe, incarnate here at this time for this purpose, we. It's almost a gag reflex with the hate amongst people. You know what I mean? I think we are so done and we just want the answers and we just want that human connection again without arguing, but yet discovering one another again in our own personal ideologies. So I have so much hope right now. None like I've ever had yeah, before. I'm I agree. I, mean, I was worried for a while, but in the last few months, I've really, my whole system has calmed down. But no matter what, we have to be optimistic. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. But I think right. the, 
Go ahead. No, go ahead, Michelle. I mean, uh, Molly, go ahead. Well, I just think people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. They want the information, and they want to use media and watch the interesting things that are provided. Hollywood's gone. Um, I can tell you for a fact they're broken bust. So, it's, so are the sports industries. So people are wanting that human connection again, and they're wanting to heal, and they're wanting to go inside of themselves as well with guidance, but not with anybody else's thought prison. So that's what I'm seeing and feeling. Yep, absolutely. I would agree. And I see Captain John keeps like muting and unmuting. I was wondering if he had something he wanted to bring up. Well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, he's a friend that's hung around for quite a while. Anyway, uh, if anybody else says anything, feel free. Well, those are some of some of my observations. Um, I really think people just want the guidance and want to reconnect. I'm seeing such a longing for that. It's been too long. What, 25 years now? So, and I know. At from, least. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, there was a respite, you know. And I know from watching Michelle's stuff, which is just, wow, it's incredible. You can't even call it stuff. It's, uh, it's like mind engineering because facts matter. Um, she has done research to factually point out when World War III did start. Michelle, can you explain a little bit about that? <laughs> I can try. So, so, um, but basically, I think I've been able to pinpoint when the, the evil came in where they came in and they took over everything and the, the Royal houses of Europe basically seated by, and you know, they all married cousins and kept their bloodline pure. Um, but I think they were to be specific and all they care about is themselves and um, but they were able to I mean they've got so many buildings named after and all this other stuff I mean they were very successful at putting themselves into the narrative but the worship that they get <laughs> they're they've done so many bad things they really have and um been pretty clear they are very clear but i think there's so many families in the inner workings behind the scenes that have had enough and have prepared for this time like you were talking about the bushes um i do know in paraguay they've got the market cornered on aquifer on, on springs on all of the uh, water and things like that. And there's legislation to break up that monopoly. So I just, I really have a lot of hope. Mm -hmm. I really do. 
because it's just so in your face. And I saw, I, I saw them march in in the 80s when I was a kid and take over all the lines of communication. And it was the Buffets that did so who I was friends with because I worked with them within my endeavors in the media arts and arts businesses. Peter Buffett took over um, the college radio station. All the college radio stations were bought out and now they're under one conglomerate. Um, all the alternative newspapers were bought out and are under one conglomerate. In Wisconsin, you had the largest music festival you still do in the world called Summerfest. And that was taken over. Um, so I saw all the roads of communication get completely automated, tied down, and it was shocking. So shocking that it uh, drove one of my dear girlfriends um, to uh, manifest cancer. She, cause she, she knew, and it just her heart couldn't take it. Um, she was founding member of what our paper, our alternative paper back there was called the Shepherd Express, which was just awesome. And um, when they came in and bought it out and took it over, um, it, and basically she figured out what was going on, it broke her heart. So, and when you have a broken heart, you manifest pretty much it's time to get off the planet. She just couldn't take it. So, um, yeah, I saw this all come in like a shitstorm. Milwaukee is small. Wisconsin is really small. Uh, you know, so it's pretty crazy. <clears throat> well, thanks, Melanie. And, you know, I think tonight is probably a perfect example of what I say every week, which is people want to learn what's really happening. They, they want to really uncover things. I tell them to learn who they really are, where they're really from, and where they're really at. Because you've been deceived on all three levels. And so I thank you very much, Michelle, for and, and your presentation to, this evening. Absolutely. Uh, you're welcome. And I just to you uh, or listening to the call to um, check out my website, piercingtheveilevolution.com. That. And I've got a ton more information than anything I can express in an hour and a half. I definitely encourage you to look at it. And uh, I just want to address the comment in chat since President Kennedy, America. I just want to say it's all manipulated. It's all been deliberate. Yep. And um, these, these beings had an evil. And that's what it's been all about. And um, I wish it was. Okay, I wish I had, I had a different story. To I, hate to, I hate to interrupt. I have one more question. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> these beings are inside of human carcasses, and it's a frequency within them. Would Would you say that? <laughs> We're dealing with something parasitic, you know, very much a, a frequency, a soul group of some kind or something like that. But it's definitely um, not our friend. 
figure out how to try to take everything over, but they only have one playbook. And so they keep, I know they don't have empathy. They don't have compassion. They don't have love. They don't think like humans. They, and real people don't understand that this kind of evil exists because it's not how we are. Um, they'll lie, they'll cheat, they'll steal, and they won't think twice about it. Um, so but whatever a frequency or whatever is what's behind this. And it's a small subgroup, but they've managed to convince us they don't exist. But they do exist. But they're very real human. and very evil. Right? They're humans. They're, you're not they're in human see. form. Yes. That's what I want to get at because you have a lot of people that get this picture of, you know, black robes flying around all over the place, right? So that they do in their basements or wherever. <laughs> There's you been a portion of humanity that's really been messed up. Yeah. Yeah, really messed up. And cool. they like them. Not like source, not like creator. They want us to be like their twisted... And with a certain segment of the population, they've with a certain segment of the population, they they have succeeded. Yes. Yeah. But all of us have been abused, tormented <laughs> in this crazy world we live in. He has not encountered some form of abuse. I would be surprised. Whether we realize it or not. Well, I think they taught. I mean. I think when people really get the whole picture, we've been taught to farm one another for them. Um, they don't behind closed doors. There's, there's so many different kinds of them. Um, they don't behind closed doors behave normally. But when they teach your child at school, um, when they are you know, higher ups in corporate levels, when they run your boys and girls clubs, they look completely normal. Mm -hmm. They're not normal. Well, that goes back. That goes back to everybody loves their congressman, but everybody movie. hates Congress. Yeah, <laughs> Congress is corrupt. Congress is very corrupt. And they'll invite you. Piper, in. spot on. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow, we have, I, wow, I'm so looking forward to what you guys uncover. It's unbelievable. So excited. Yeah. And, and the thing is, um, so they lie to us to get it. But when we wake up and realize what's going on, they, they really can't touch us. No, they can't because that's why Brian they lie. Kind of, Brian is an anchor. And what do I mean by that? is his educations are law. You can be in this world, but not of this world. And they will leave you alone. They will actually respect you. Now, competition is a sin but to them, um, but they will really honestly respect you. And the more people that are running small businesses 
and moving around like-minded, the more they lose and they have to. It's kind of like the devil went down to Georgia, right? So this is how you play the fiddle. And they have to respect you. Nobody's going to come get you. They have to respect you. So that's where Brian comes in as a huge anchor. Because when people are properly out of the system, yet respectful of their system, it's game over. Hey, you know when they're having their battle? Yeah, you you know they're having their battle. Just I'm not on the battlefield. Go ahead, guys. Yeah, I'm out of it. Yeah, I, you know, right, the battle is silly. Stan. If I have a battle or a war, it's much higher than this on Earth. Oh, yes. All right, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Michelle. And uh, we'll catch you next Thanks Sunday for having evening, me. 9 p.m. Eastern. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know if Michelle met you or not, but she's also Michelle Gibson on YouTube. Uh, if you can't find her, contact me. I'll send it to you. Um, I've also posted it in Tactical Sovereignty and on my Facebook page, so you can find it there. And until then, everybody, be blessed and love each other. That's all you can do. Good night. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye, everybody. Good night, Keith.